Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Wee Bit of Everything with your hosts, Lewis Cleland and Clark Burrow. This week on the podcast, we've got another guest on to talk to us a little bit about physical education, teaching, and in particular, the National Five course. So, Mr. Burrow, who have we got in store for us today? So, in store for us today, Mr. Cleland, we are joined by Alexandra Haskett. Alexandra is a physical education teacher at St. Augustine's Roman Catholic High School in Edinburgh. Uh, Alexandra's on the podcast today to talk us through the National 5 Physical Education course. Um, she's going to talk to us about the structure and what she teaches and when she teaches it. And also key teaching strategies that she uses um, and has great success with. Hopefully by having her on as well, Lewis, she'll t- touch on higher and advanced higher and also her um, experience teaching the BGE. So as far as I'm aware, we're, we're in for the full package, my friend. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one tonight. Hopefully, like all the podcasts, we'll get um, some good info and take a few things away from it. So, I'm really keen to get this one going. Mm-hmm. And as as always, we'll, Alexandra will finish off with some great advice for teachers who are just starting out in their career or who are trying to navigate their way through the current uh, term that we find ourselves in. So, some things that get it on. Some things that um, you wish you knew when when starting out as a newly qualified teacher or as a student teacher. I just wish there was a wee bit of everything when I was starting it and I would have been listening into it every week. <laughs> so. Nothing like blowing your own trumpet. No, well, somebody's got No, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> right, anyway, I'll get her on eh? let's go. Right, Alex, welcome to A Wee Bit of Everything. How's things been today? Good, busy, outside and cold, so that's standard practice at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, I managed to get four four sessions of walking today. I managed to clock up five k. Good work. Driver, I know. We're still in, we're in tier four now. Are you tier three through in Edinburgh? Yeah, yeah. So we're at least allowed to do volleyball in the games hall, which was is an improvement because for a while we were doing it outside, and that was hilarious. Watching volleyballs yeah. just like disappear off into the next week <laughs> in the high winds. Sometimes quite static as well. It's it's cold, doesn't it? Yeah, and they just well, it's not it's not fun for anyone. So now we're only we're at the stage where we're still doing netball and handball outside, uh, but volleyball has thankfully retreated to the warmth of indoors. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that makes me feel quite jealous. But now I'm happy for you. Um, so how how is the BG working then? Is it? Yeah, so we did in the first term we did walking, softball, football, and everyone just rotated around those three in the three periods that they came. Then like now we've moved to a bi-weekly timetable. We've got three sets of doubles and some trebles. So we're doing three new sports and just every time they come for a double, we do a different sport. And if they have a treble, then we're having to split the sport up slightly. Um but it's now that everybody from first year to third year is doing netball handball and volleyball with the occasional um, sometimes a tag rugby or a ultimate frisbee thrown into the third year core if they've chosen to do something different and does but a, outside where possible basically right okay and does the teacher stick with the sport and then no we okay. um we've uh, first to third year they come in um the first and second year they come as um, tutor classes registration classes okay. so each teacher has their own class and you just do all the sports and um, with the third years they've voted and chosen pathways and then we are sticking with the class and whatever activities they've chosen to do out of the list that we gave them but it was all outdoors options mm-hmm. so we even doing fitness outdoors and taking all the dumbbells and the mats and the exercise balls out <laughs> it's just it's like genuinely but it was like in the morning we take the entire p cupboard out and then period seven you bring the entire cupboard back in 
and and clean mm-hmm. it all. And it just we lock the astroturf and leave everything out for the day. Oh, yeah. see, that's that's brilliant. But they use mm-hmm. astroturf in my school for like a playground for the, well a place that you can go and have a lunch as well so that's yeah. the reason i don't think we're allowed to lock it because of fire as well or something like that yeah well we're lucky because we're a geo campus we um have two of everything and so the astro we can lock one astro and then the other astro is there two astros wow. yeah yeah but then we're two schools so at yeah. any one time there could be us and our next door school yeah. out on it right. but it, we've got a really good relationship with the next door school so we can mm-hmm. just very easily work around each other needing space so is it literally two separate schools or is it like two schools that have merged? Yeah. No, it's separate, um, it? so I'm or a Catholic, well, the Catholic school, yeah. Catholic yeah. school and non-dom school. So Foresters is the next door and we're literally joined. We share a swimming pool uh-huh. and that, that's the only point in the building that we share. And then it's kind of like a mirror image off the pool of right. each school. Um, and then the, astro- the outdoor facilities, we've just got two of everything. So two Astros, f- football, 3G Astros, two grass pitches. We have a rugby pitch, a hockey pitch, and then we've got like this tennis 2G pitch as well. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Just one of those. And we just share the space as when, when we need them. Mm-hmm. And like the swimming pool. Yeah, we're really lucky. Really lucky that they were open 10 years ago and they were brilliant. And they still are. And we've got a games hall each, gym hall each, fitness suite each. We share the swimming pool. Um, and it just is ideal. It's a big, I think, I, when it certainly when it was built, it was the biggest your campus in Scotland. I think maybe... Dalkeith's um, St David's and Dalkeith High maybe has eclipsed us slightly because they've been opened subsequently. Mm-hmm. But we're a really big campus. Like it's quite handy. Also, we've got um, a walking or running route around the campus, which is exactly two and a bit kilometres. Oh, brilliant! Around the whole campus, and they don't have to go onto like pavements or anything, brilliant. and they can just is run it, around the schools. Is it like a trail? Um, no, it's like pavements. Oh, so is it pavements? It's the, literally, the pavements around the school buildings, right, okay. staying inside the school fence, though, wow. um, is about a two k loop. Nice. You would love that, Lush. You would be doing that. You would run in your three periods, wouldn't you? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Um, right. So, Alex, um, first of all, then, could you tell us and the listeners a little bit of uh, background information on your career to date, then? Sure. I mean, um, I've been teaching 10 years. I went to Murray House between 2005 and 2009. Um, I grad- graduated with my honours degree, so, so that was a wee bit debatable. As to, I failed an essay in fourth year. So it was touch and go for a while. I had to do a reset. Um, then went to St. Augustine's, where I am currently for my probation year. I was actually a fourth year student there. And right. when, so that finished in March. And I knew that the two probationers that they had weren't getting kept on and it was going to roll over into another probationer post. So I actually did a wee tactical tick of the denominational box on the probation application form, knowing that Edinburgh, my first choice council, and there was going to be a space there and it just all worked out perfectly. That, mm. So I am now, I then got the permanent post at the end of my um, probation year. So I'm basically the student teacher that never left. <laughs> they just can't get rid of me. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I really do. And I wouldn't stay in a school that long. Like I've, I've only ever taught at Augie's. I know no other school. And I wouldn't stay in a department that I didn't love. Mm-hmm. Um, the three, there's two guys that I've worked with the whole time plus now we have a probationer because one of our departments acting up in guidance um, and I get on with everybody in the department so well I have such we have such a good working relationship we team teach as much as we can not with COVID, out with COVID obviously um, and we work collaboratively almost every on every single thing we do it's just such a good department um, so I wouldn't I mean I've deliberately not gone for CL posts 
because I didn't want to leave Augies and I didn't want to go to a school that I didn't think I'd like working at. So I've actively not gone for promotions, promotions just to stay with my department because I love them that much. There's a lot of Yeah, yeah. And it's such a good school as well. And it's, it's just such a welcoming atmosphere. It feels like the school I went to. That's, it feels like home. And I, that I wouldn't have, I just love working there. I wouldn't want to go anywhere else. Unless, of course, it was... Actually, I don't know if I'd go anywhere else at this point in time. Um, I'll just have to wait and see, see if a promotion comes up in a school mm-hmm. that I know I'd love. Mm-hmm. A lot can be said for that then. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've, we've yeah. Had, well, you went to Murray House. We've had a lot of the, le- the lectures on from there and um, over the past few episodes. I think okay. they're listening in I think that some of them listen in as well. So, um, the only uh, ones I know, because I'm um, the student teacher mentor, so I obviously like work with whoever, the tutors and stuff. There's not that many of the lecturers still there that were there when I was there. All right, okay. Because I'm I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Shirley Gray's still there, uh, um, yeah. and Andrew Horrell. But other than that, I don't think there's that many. Um, it was a while ago. I've seen, I've seen him on active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's, I think he's now in charge of the postgrad programme as a whole. Um, and the master, I think he took on the, you know how they changed the degree to a master's? Yeah. I think he took on like that development as well, okay. from what I've been told by student teachers anyway. What, is that the fourth year? The undergrad thing, has that got to do yeah, that so the master's the under, now? Yeah, the undergrad is now a master's. Uh-huh. And they do, a, what, instead of doing the five years master's they do it in four years and do so much extra wow. in their four years it sounds crazy busy yeah and from so, day one as well like you've done yours in over three years didn't you clark uh i had done After it really my, i started on my postgrad but i did when, when i was doing that in my postgrad i heard that teaching was moving to an all masters profe- all mm. masters profession like other countries in europe that, that yeah. do that yeah, so I think they currently now, they, they do a four years master's, basically, as well as their undergraduate all in the winter, in the one course. Does that mean you'll have to, at some point down the line, just cram a master's in somewhere? Hope not, because it sounds one. so hard. <laughs> I know, it does. Oh, man. Can you imagine <laughs> that? You'll be finless. Just get master's, people get on to talk, to talk about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. Yeah, no, I did, for a wee while, considered, because um, they do a master's in outdoor education at Edinburgh Uni. Oh, and that I did cons- good. Yeah, and it sounds really good and it looks really interesting. And then I looked at it a bit more closely and I was like, it's a master's. There's so much reading yeah. and essay writing. And it's all the stuff that I really didn't enjoy at undergrad. And I'm going, uh-huh. why would you put yourself back through this? So mm-hmm. I'm just happy. I've got my honours and I'm happy. And that's me. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you can speak to John. Get you on. Yeah, exactly. And also... Like I'm, I'm not academically minded. Like the, the everything about reading, preparing, and reading these really academic articles, it really, really struggled with that at uni. It it's almost like re- my natural forte. Uh, you need to like relearn it all. Like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a skill it. set. Yeah, it's a skill set I just don't have at the minute. And as you say, it's a full time. That in itself is a full time job on top of doing a full time job. Yeah, absolutely. I just no. I've I've got That's my degree. It. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I'll see Alex, I think you'd smash it. I'll see what I can do. I'll speak to my contacts at Edinburgh Union and see if I can get you on. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> get, get you on as well, Liz. <laughs> right, so oh. Alex, um, what's your fondest memories then of P as a pupil and as a, as a teacher? Man, see, this question, like, it's so long ago since I was in school. Like, I left school in 2004. That is so long ago now. It's scary. Um, I, I went to a really, really small school in the northeast of Scotland. Like, I think there was at most about 500 kids in the school, in the high school. Um, and so it was just a really, because it was so 
rural, the catchment area was huge, which meant the community ethos in the school was really strong because well, you had nothing else to do, to be honest. It's middle of nowhere. Um, so extracurricular sport for me was huge in school. We used to go, and again, because we're so rural, we had to have to travel like two hours to go for your average friendly game. And, or we would go and play the local private school and get destroyed. But <laughs> what? Where, where about was it? Up northeast? Um, like? Fockabers. So do you know Murray and Elgin? Yeah. So is that like up the Aberdeen? Like El- way, well, like, so further, is it further up though? Yeah, further up basically. So yeah. um, between Inverness and Aberdeen, yeah. bang in the middle of that, but right on the coast. Yeah, so on that bit that sticks out, isn't it? And then you've got the North Coast 500. Like if you... Oh yeah, before before you go towards the North Coast 500, yeah. you're talking the Murray Coast. Right, got you. That's that's where I am. So like, if you know football teams, Elgin City would be the... Yeah. But is the Rora Rangers? Uh, no, that they're that further east. They? I think they're a bit further east right. um, from us. I think they're nearer, like the Peter Heed Tateway. Um, but my school was tiny in the middle of nowhere. Everybody played hockey, everybody played basketball, rugby, football, just your usual sports. But we would go and we were never brilliant at sport as a school, but we were dead keen. Mm-hmm. We always used to go Saturday mornings, you'd rock up for hockey, you'd bring your oranges, you'd go and play the game, probably lose by a lot, but still have a great time on the bus home. And yeah. that's that for me, that ethos of it, even if you lose, you still have to have fun with it. Yeah, and so that social side of it. Yeah, exactly. And just that, the personal development of, it doesn't matter if you're losing 10-0. If you're still having fun with your mates and you're still all trying your hardest, then you go and sc- try and score a goal and it becomes 10-1 and it's not a no score. And that's better than everything. Mm. And it doesn't matter then if you're losing 10-0. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was <laughs> going and playing the private schools because we were hockey as um, predominantly played in my school. And there's not many other high schools up there that would play us and plus there is only six high schools in the whole of Murray so once you've played everyone once you've got to go and try and find someone else to play so it was the private schools in Aberdeen which was like a two-hour drive where it was Gordonston and you just go and like pelted absolutely pelted by these internationalists mm-hmm. but still have fun yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and stupid stuff like potted sports at Christmas time used to come off timetable as a school and go round and do for house points and competitions and go in the games hall and do like tight and spoon races and sack races and all this stupid stuff that was just fun. Yeah. And that for me, like, is so important is putting the fun back into PE because otherwise kids just get so turned off to it mm-hmm. and it just becomes an uphill battle for the four years that they're made to do it. So, yeah, just all the fun I had. <laughs> Sounds good. No, it's about that. I'm the same. Like, you always remember the sports days and that, don't you? And mm-hmm. Yes, you yeah, yeah, yeah. yourself and being competitive. It's yeah, exactly. And we had a really memory. strong house system within my school. Um, and the same with my primary schools. And it was the same houses, names, just because there was there's only one, two feeder primary schools. Um, so once you were in one house from P1, that was your house till S6. Oh, yeah. And you competed for your points all the way through. And this house system was the cup, the house cup at the end of the year. The, it was so tight every single year. And it was just that whole community ethos of everybody trying to pull together to win. And the sports day was the final thing for it. And it frequently came down to the relays as to who won for the house and who won right. in the relay races. So, yeah, just the community spirit that my school had was great. And then what is that? Lois, can you, can you hear a bit of like rough, 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 about? I'm not sure. Like with the sound. I don't know if it's like coming off. Maybe my microphone and my jumper? I think it's maybe just catching it sometimes when you're moving. 
I'll try not to move too much. Sorry. It's all right. No worries. Can get edited. No, just in case. Sorry, we, all good. I don't know if you'll be able to edit that and like Alex okay. talking at the same time. I'm you? not that. I'm not that good, Clark. Come on. No, just in case it keeps going. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. So I'll, jump my, I'll zip my jumper up. Maybe that'll help. I don't worry about it. But hopefully, hopefully that's it. There we go. Right, I'm zipped up. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, we'll go again. Right, so Alex, what? what? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you've got it written down. <laughs> oh, I've got notes, but I don't know how much I said. <laughs> so, Alex, we've obviously some fond memories then uh, as of, of PE as a pupil then. So what, mm. what about more laterally as a teacher? Uh, I guess after 10 years, you accumulate so many. Um, I organise sports tours. Interna- well, they've now gone international, quote-unquote, international. We go to Spain. Um, and my most recent tour um, was 2019. We were in Marbella, and it was just one of the best tours I've ever or- organised. So she says herself. But um, in terms <laughs> of just the Is way that... Is that the Inspire came- uh, yes, it is actually. Ah, we, we were supposed um, to go to Madrid there, but it got cancelled. Ah, uh, yeah, we're we were meant to be. Well, we still are Malta, but it was meant to be next June. But obviously, it's just getting pushed back one year. Really looking forward to it. I've never been to Malta. Um, but the 2019 tour, the kids just really, really upped their game and just were on crack and form for the entire time we we're away. For some of them, it was their first time ever leaving the country, and they were super nervous about flying. Some of them really, really scared about it. But as soon as they, they took off and everybody was calm and they realised actually it was just fun, they relaxed into it. And then that just set the tone for the rest of the week. And it was just cracking weather, obviously, because it's Marbella and it's Spain and it's June. Um, and That's again, what it's all about, though, isn't it? Exactly. It's just them coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> them outside taking part. Like we had netball, we had basketball, we had football. In total, we had uh, 40, 40 kids away with us. And they just outdid themselves. They were passionately behaved. They had great time. They put their heart and soul into training sessions. And considering they were training in the midday Spanish heat, very, very impressed with them in terms of just keeping on going. And then even in the games, the footballers did well. They won their game. The basketballers, I mean, Spain, Spanish basketball is just country mile ahead of Scottish basketball in terms Mm of what was supposedly their average club team. And they easily would win the Scottish Cup here, yeah. easily. They were just so good. But our basketballers didn't stop. They kept trying. I think collectively, they maybe scored 20 points between the mm-hmm. two teams. And the opposition scored a lot more than that. But they didn't mind. They just kept going. And they realised that they developed their game throughout the game just by looking at what these Spanish guys were doing. Yeah, they've learned so much from them. Yes, exactly, exactly. And then our netballers did, outdid themselves as well because they were, again, training outside for netball f- for two hours at a time and they were just dying by the end of it. But then when it came to their tournament, they played out their skins and they had a great time and they actually won a few games, which considering netball's another little bit like basketball in Scotland, it's a huge big gap between the teams at the top who enter the Scottish Cup and then the development teams who don't enter the Scottish Cup. And, but unless you enter the Scottish Cup, you're not going to get that many fixtures. So we put teams in, but then they're coming against all these privates like Fetties and like all the private schools that just destroy us again. Mm. They always destroy us. But these girls kept on trying. And then on tour, they, we, managed, we had to play a ladies team 
because netball in Spain isn't a big thing. And so these were adult women that these girls were playing against, some of whom used to play for England. <laughs> so our girls wow. are doing their absolute best against... These ladies were absolutely delightful, absolutely delightful. But uh, <laughs> our girls were just that way of you like, oh my God, they were, they were just staring at how good these women were playing netball around them. And we're trying to get them to like, go, defend, go, don't just stand and watch, go. But they learned so much and they just were absolute credits to themselves and the school. And it was just so much fun. And yeah, you just you have that from, moment where you're like, ah, oh, this is what it could be all the time. It's great. I think that's a brilliant, a brilliant idea doing like a multi-sports one as well. I know. Yeah. Every, I know I've heard of it's just kind of been football, but... Did you organize? Did, did did the company organize that, like the multi-sport? Or did, did Basically, you... yeah. I just um, I, every tour I've done. So I've done 2013, 15, 17, 19, and every tour has been multi-sport. That's great. That's and I basically idea. I just go to Jed from Inspire Sport. Hi, Jed, uh, and Jed. And um, just say, look, I've got a netball team, or I've got two netball teams, I've got two basketball teams, and I've got a football team. We want. We don't care where we go, but this is our rough price bracket. Um, we're just give us options. And so, they provide the coaching and all that kind of stuff, and they do yeah everything, flights, everything is included. That's why I will always go back to Inspire Sport because it's such quality service. Because everything, flights from the moment the kids get on a plane to the moment they come home, everything is paid for in advance. Yeah, they, the kids can bring spending money if they want to go to the shops and get sweets or juice or whatever. But everything is included: coaching, transfers, games. Um, at one point, one of our tours, the opposition even were nice and gave us a strip. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. But then, and also the other good thing about these tours is that the kids have to fundraise for us to mm-hmm. get strips and training gear. And yep. so I always aim for them to have a branded school top for every training session plus a strip. And so they tend to have to raise about between four and five grand. And every time I organize a tour, I, my kids always manage to fundraise that through bag packs and through. Yeah. Um, football cards and like raffles mm-hmm. and just the kids pool together and mm-hmm. work their socks off even prior to win on tour and then tour is almost like the reward for the older it makes it that prior. more sweeter i suppose yeah exactly exactly great. and especially our school like our catchment area about 54 percent of our kids come from simd one two and three so mm-hmm. we are an incredibly deprived school so for some of these kids like i say it was the first time going on a plane like this is their first ever holiday and some of their families are having to save up. I mean, I always give kids the two years to pay it. And some of those families absolutely and utterly need those two years because this is a huge investment. But the parents are so proud of their children coming on tour and getting to go on tour that they work so hard. And the kids frequently often end up with jobs as well to try and help pay for it or birthday money, Christmas money, everything goes into it. It's like a whole family effort. That's teaching them other valuable skills as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And so I like I say we go, tend to go and get destroyed by the opposition because the Spanish are so good at sport. But it's not just that I'm not there for performance development. That is obviously important. But the main thing is they develop as people, and yeah, that absolutely. starts for me in the two years planning the tour before even yeah. the five days that you're away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. So did you have anything booked then before it got cancelled with COVID? Yeah, Malta. So we're meant to be going to Malta next June. And um, that's just been postponed by one year. So we're going in 2022 instead of 2021. Well, hopefully you get to go. Surely by then, surely by then, we can all kind of have a semblance of normality. Or at least just be able to go abroad. Hopefully hopefully by next, next summer, I'm hoping to get booked up somewhere. 
absolutely not with the school but just i mean myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i've had so three holidays cancelled this year and i'm determined to at least get somewhere next year no no yeah for sure i can't complain uh, i've just came back from like eight months traveling <laughs> oh, <laughs> i know I, I went after my, I did my probation year and then i went away and then um, did a bit of working and traveling as well and then came back to covid to, <laughs> covid i exactly yeah so but i can't complain got a job now so that'll yeah could be worse. There's, there's strong rumours going about who we love Alexandra that he brought it back with him back from, ah, <laughs> back from Thailand. No, no, not me. <laughs> the end of February. My, my, my hands are clean. Wait, Thailand and Vietnam are some of the countries that have got the lowest prevalence rates. They've done really well at controlling it. Yeah, we came oh. back. What was the last place we came back from was Thailand, but before that we were in Vietnam and um, they were literally they. It was like the army were driving about the streets yeah. in this little tiny wee truck, and it had like obviously Vietnamese writing on it. And like a wee guy with a mask, and the people were they had like the megaphone on the top. It was like something out of like you would see in like a World War Two movie. Yeah, they were just, just going round and preaching all about COVID. Like, this and is stay inside, quite, stay yeah, safe. It was yeah, quite yeah. scary, yeah. But that was at the very, very early stages of it. Yeah, well, Vietnam had the lo- one one of the lowest mortality rates, mm-hmm. but even though their country is humongous, and it's because they did. <sighs> so well at the, at the start te- effect their test to protect mm. version of and it's such a densely packed well especially mm-hmm. in hanoi where we were like it's so densely populated mm-hmm. and it just like i just kind of get my head around how the uk that's another story but like the uk and that <laughs> didn't do as well but <laughs> yeah you know what i mean I like, the main reason is yeah. it, like didn't close the borders like, a lot of countries yeah, have just yeah. closed the borders like, look at new zealand Korea. they've uh, managed to get it they just literally put up the walls, drew up the drawbridge, right, and yeah. were like, "No, guys, you're not coming in." That's the only. Th- that's, that's the only thing you can do, isn't it? That's the only way yeah. to do it. Right? To stop it. And but. they're an island, just like we are. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. that's true. We had the chance. Anyway, onto the <laughs> the real <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you came on today, Alex, to talk to us about the National Five P course. Um, feel free to talk about any, anything else over and above that if you feel. I know you spoke to him about that. Um, we, were, we were in conversation that you've, you've taught across the curriculum. Yeah. Um, so, kick us off then. How would you structure the National Five course for anyone listening from when you get your class at the start of June or the start of May all the way through till the end of the portfolio? Sure. Um, and this, I mean, our courses, our National Five course, it's slightly different from S, in S4 than it is to S5-6 because our S5-6 Nat 5s get six periods a week, whereas our S4s only get four. Yep. So we do structure it fractionally different depending on which year groups are doing it. But roughly, um, June, because we are changing timetables June, um, normally, I mean, COVID's changing slightly, but normally it's June and we do the four factors, the impact of them, and then aim to complete section one in June. If we don't manage section one in June, we definitely are doing it by the end of August and we bank it and it's over and done with. Um, August to September, is our data collection phase and we tend to gather data on three factors um physical mental and emotional we don't tend to with our national fives do any social data gathering simply because we're not planning on taking that further forward we want our pupils to design a solo training program not one that revolves around a team and that's out with COVID. That would be how we normally do it. Obviously, with COVID, we definitely aren't doing social factors at the minute. Um, then September to October break, which is for us about we get one week off in the middle 
that normally the third week of October. Um, we do approaches to performance development, we go through goal setting and we go through how you plan a PDP, the principles of training and just getting them set up ready to go because in October through to January, um, again, this is the fourth year course, which is slightly different to the fifth and sixth year course, but the fourth year course, October to January, they're carrying out their PDPs. Um, do, you get, do you get to go through like a full six-week training program every time? Yeah, but then we are only see their fourth years at the minute. I only see twice a week for a double, and um, when normally, I'd like out with COVID, I would normally only see them for one double and two singles. Yep. And um, we find that they just need to do. We ask them to do two approaches for the physical factors and do alternating weeks, so they're actually only doing four sessions of each approach, so they don't get bored. Is our hope and that's on their double period um, but that then means it needs to stretch out over a longer period of time for them to fit in and we obviously towards at the midpoint talk about increasing the number of sessions they do in a week they have to do try and encourage them to do sessions outside of school mm -hmm. that kind of chat but we always aim to finish the pdp in january with our fourth years then so February's two, are sorry two, two factors yeah, yeah two factors, two factors. yeah so we always have a physical factor and normally it's physical fitness though depending on the class and depending on what's available in terms of um facilities we sometimes do stray into physical fitness uh, physical skills but normally our fourth year course is physical fitness for the pdp and then they choose from either mental or emotional for their other factor and that's where the personalization and choice comes in mm -hmm. and even within the physical we give them set of four sub factors and they choose out the four they choose two and then they have two approaches one for each factor so there is as much as we can but also with as much kind of organization as possible so that it doesn't like grow arms and legs and suddenly become a nightmare to manage a class of 30 mm -hmm. all doing different things um they choose yeah like i say two a physical factor choose two sub factors for their weaknesses and then choose an approach to performance development for each sub factor then they have a choice between mental and emotional and they can mm -hmm. choose from we give them two options in terms of approaches to performance development for each of those factors and they just choose one to do for their program does that make sense yeah and you try you, you try and keep the two physical sub factors as like speed and cre trying to keep it fitness mm -hmm. Not really we we don't let them free choice we do say so like for example my minor thing 800 meters this year and they got a choice between speed cre power and muscular endurance mm -hmm. and they had to choose two of the four and i didn't mind which they just they analyzed their data decided their weaknesses based on whatever data they had and they made their judgments from there got so you. they do they do get a choice but it's from a smaller list i wouldn't Go on all out and include strength and flexibility and things like that. Yeah. That then becomes unmanageable, yeah. especially as we're having to do everything outside, pretty much. Um, yeah, I felt I've had, I've had less skill development because of COVID, so I've not had them in to yeah. do like a proper training program to badminton or basketball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've just. Yeah. I've um, just I'm also slightly, either. slightly not hampered. That's not the right word, but constrained because we, I have a tiny fourth year class. Like I have eleven in my fourth year class. So, but the other we have three fourth year classes in total the other two have 30 in the class i've just there's just this random column which nobody wants to choose pe and and i've got that class and um, so i couldn't legit couldn't do volleyball or and at yeah. the time weren't allowed in the games hall to do basketball so i was left with the default option of well it's going to have to be an out, outdoor individual activity therefore you're going to have to do running mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I, in my probation year, I had a, a Nat 5 class that had seven in it. So mm -hmm. 
it was it's even trying to just get like a because we do it through badminton basketball hockey and volleyball and we look at like different factors and different methods of gathering data through each of the we can almost go through like a cycle kind of for each one yeah um, and they've got like booklets and stuff um, for a bit of structure mm. and I had yeah like I said I had seven seven I think it was and it whittled down to six so we often had <laughs> to join up with like another class and just so that they could do volleyball and do those other sports. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so, it, this this class have pr- proven, not least with COVID, but this class this year, I've have, have been like, I don't know how, where I'm going to go to next because I've only got 11. And of that, only about eight or nine attend regularly. Yeah. So like, when I will eventually, I think I'm going to have to move on to badminton for to finish off like for future development needs, talking about through fa- social factors, I'm going to have to do something with that so that they've got a future development need for that final question. But mm-hmm. at the minute, we take our, our PDPs, all three classes, um, the other two classes, because they've got 30, are doing volleyball yep. um, for their PDPs. And everybody, we just stick to the same sport until we hit the end of the PDP and the final data gathering in February. Uh, and thereafter, we start looking at um, performance assessment sports. And mm. that's it for the year. So they, because like I say, in fourth year, we only see them for four periods. So that's yeah. not a huge amount of time, really, to then try and fit in multiple sports. Yeah. We it's, find um, that if we stick with the one sport and then do the different factors through that one sport, they have yep. a slightly stronger understanding of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot less confusing for them. Yeah, definitely. There's so many variables, isn't there? Yeah, you can exactly. Just, like, you could end up confusing yourself. So it's, uh, it's good mm-hmm. to have that structure there and, and kind of stick with it. But it's also nice having a smaller class for, um, oh, doing, ba- for, doing, for doing, no, even for doing badminton, even just like for full courts and stuff like that, yeah. because it's yeah. difficult when you've got like a, a class of 30. And, and you've got to try and fit them all in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Give them all game time. Yeah. yeah. That's why the two other classes are doing volleyball, because you can easily create five teams and then mm-hmm. have tournaments going. You've got to then can start talking about different requirements of different parts of the court. With mine, like I've got 11. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. And that's only if they're all in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, volleyball is going to be, kind of and they're all there's not many friendship groups in the Uh class it's an odd makeup of a class and so i'm having to try and create these social bonds out of nothing Mm -hmm. to get them to do work (laughs) so it's interesting (laughs) i I was i was the same last year i had 11 exactly the same i think it was for my national fives and they were getting frustrated as much as i was in the the practical Mm -hmm. because i got really competitive three or four really competitive kids and some of the others weren't really as, as yeah. competitive and yeah. it's a hard dynamic to balance. Yeah, and exactly. And you've got to choose your sport carefully because right. if you do one that's really popular like basketball or football, then you nine times out of ten will it automatically well, exclude at least a quarter of your class who mm-hmm. don't like the sport. Yeah. So, so see when you're talking about how you don't touch on the social factor, we were speaking about this as a department the other day and how the higher teacher was in having concerned that there was a gap in their knowledge moving on to higher do you find that or do you just try um, and teach that from the start the yes yes i know like i say in john in june sorry we cover all four factors for section one so right. they do touch on it and then we do circle back to it at the end of the course so that they have a future development need as a potential answer right. for that final yeah. question in the portfolio yeah. but it is admittedly it's a brief light knowledge but then again the course is only four periods in the week so it to try and do much more in detail would just kind of confuse them slightly mm-hmm. and especially as they don't technically need it for the portfolio mm-hmm. uh, and then we find because i teach i've got higher class as well they um because they have had a very basic understanding of it the social fact in from fourth year the social factors aren't too much of an asthma for them 
in terms of the higher course and especially the way we structure our higher course I do pretty much the same thing in terms of the PDP so my higher class are doing um, their 800 meters training program and have chosen again physical from that small list and then chosen mental or emotional I'm then going to cover social next term after Christmas and I'm going to all I'm going to do for six odd weeks is social factors so they're going to get that chunk of work right there so it's really really embedded in them but we also have um, do team building as part of our BGE curriculum so we talk about team um, dynamics and relationships and respect and trust and everything like that in those blocks in first to third year so it's not brand new information for them Mm-hmm. And we found that actually, it, then it's just a matter of learning the terminologies of it, and how, obviously then learning how to structure your answers and learning the like precise details they need. They have already got the information in the background; they just then need to learn the details of it. So, do you do? That's interesting. You say but you do the kind of team building blocks and first to third year. How how long would you spend on one of those blocks? Twelve weeks. Oh really? Uh, oh, the whole time. So not. Oh, just teaching. Right, okay. So one period a week, so it'd be twelve periods of work. Right, okay. So it's just like focused on different team building games or is it trying to Yeah, so we have a whole whole resource. We have like fourteen different team building games that we've got task cards for. And Ah, we um we as a department do a lot of um cooperative learning. Like we firmly follow that as a model. And so we always um and a bit of sport ed mixed in there as well. Always they're in teams of four the team building task cards that they use are designed for teams of four and they're given specific roles they go and do that and do a game per lesson and make sure that each time they follow a different role within the team so captain equipment chief question master coach mm-hmm. and they so they follow that first to second year third year they then it's over to them and they design the game and teach the game to the class Right, okay. And they have to then go through the logistics of planning it, logistics of presenting it, logistics of refereeing it and scoring it and everything like that. And they do get a lot out of it. Ah, that sounds good. And that's just one period a week for 12 weeks? Yeah, Is or that... eight, between 8 and 12, depending on the length right. of the term. Ah, that's brilliant. That's a good idea, actually. Mm-hmm. Right, well, it really does work. You um, gave us a good kind of in-depth um, insight into how you structure your National 5 course. Um, from June through until April so thanks a lot for that I've certainly taken a, a few bits and bobs here from that um, in terms of your kind of teaching strategies and that behind what you do what what models do you feel that you've had the kind of most success with, with when teaching National 5? Not gonna lie this is the kind of question that makes me like oh my god I don't actually know I mm. <laughs> I look back and go what models of teaching do I use I just uh-huh. teach what's in front of me yeah but then again I've been doing this 10 years I think I know I don't think about this in because of I know exactly what I'm going to do in each lesson. It's almost like second nature, but certainly um, cooperative learning. So back in 2014 or 2012, between 2012 and 2014, anyway, my school sent me out for four days to um, this CPD course called the Cooperative Learning Academy run by a lady whose name is Chris. I've forgotten her last name. Oh man, she's an academic from Canada. What's her last name? Oh, Matt, I'm so sorry. I can't remember. Clark, Clark, you're the one with the masters. You should know this. (laughs) (laughs) Either Chris um, Shank Stark. Oh, it's going to annoy you. Anyway, she um, just revolutionised the way I thought about teaching. I mean, Uh I don't know about you guys, but certainly the classroom lessons has been something I've had to graft at because you're just not, you don't get it. You you don't get taught how to teach in a classroom as a PE student. I also never got much experience on my placements either of doing classroom mm, and, lessons. And, yeah, and that's, that. it's really intermittent. I did 
on both my third year and my fourth year placement, but I know other people who didn't. So it can be, you legit could walk into your probation year having never taught in a classroom before. Mm -hmm. And it is an entirely different skill set. So this cooperative learning academy, she just, she basically was like, if you want to cover the curriculum, put it in a hole and put some dirt on top of it. Really what you should be going down the route of is getting the social structure and constructs within your class right, and then the learning will follow. Because ultimately if kids aren't listening and aren't respecting each other and respecting each other's opinions, then you can't possibly get any new information across to them because how can you? They're not in the same place as you in terms of their emotional development and their social development. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, she very much is, you learn by those around you. And she, this, that one paradigm, that totally underpins of what I do in now in all my lessons, both practical and theory. I mix, I mi- everybody goes into teams, especially my S4s, my nationals and my hires, everyone is in teams for the whole year. They're teams by my design. They're a mix of levels, a mix of behavior and character in that I want to pull up those who are maybe not that keen on this and those who are um, naturally keen and gifted and able will learn more because by teaching other people, they cement their own knowledge. Yeah. And then those who are less keen or less able are then almost like pulled along by those who are keen and able on the team. Mm-hmm. And that way you create an environment where everyone has a role, everyone has a job and everyone must fulfill that for the team to be competitive in the overall competition. Because I run a competition from day one through to the end of March and the end of term at the Easter holidays and the winning team get Easter eggs, but apparently that's enough of a kind of carrot on the end of a stick to make yeah. them be really competitive. I've uh-huh. never known like I had one higher class two years ago where the competition for Easter eggs went down to the final day and they were still like, mess, what can I do to get my points? My team are only 20 points behind. I want the Easter eggs. <laughs> okay. And they were just so competitive. And because I'm then pulling them along, even those, those who are maybe not wanting to be there as much because especially in fourth year and fifth year, there's some that are just there by default almost because yeah. that's the only option in their columns. You then, the team spirit, hopefully then picks them up and gets them along and everything they do gets points so Mm -hmm. homework tasks um any quizzes in class any um even a kahoot the winning team will get points every time they bring their pe kit they get points every time they do um a written test of some sort points and it's always bonus points anytime they do really good as a team more bonus points they bring their ipad charged to class how do, you, how do you track points. all this? Do you, do you have a spreadsheet, spreadsheet. or something? Right. We can love a spreadsheet. Yeah, well, I've, that's, that's, no, it's just because um, I, I've started that just, just like trial. And I've never done anything like that before. I'm doing it with an S, my two S3 elective classes just now. Mm-hmm. And it's only for homeworks. And the buy-in's kind of all right. It's um, some more than others, but... Um, Open it up so that they get points for more things. For everything, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And suddenly, because obviously you're going to have kids in your classes who are not academically minded, shall we say, and written work's not their strength or not something that they're really keen on doing. But if you get them to feel success by bringing their iPad charts or by bringing Mm -hmm. their PE kit or by answering a question in class Mm -hmm. and they get points for that, suddenly they'll start Mm -hmm. inch by inch, mile by mile, they'll start buying into the process more. Yeah, definitely. It's just trying to be consistent with it and Mm-hmm. always remembering to update it that's like yeah well i'm really lucky that we all have ipads as staff and yeah. um, i also i take my so i take my register on a spreadsheet like a, so i can keep a record there as opposed to, i don't do anything on paper hate paper mm-hmm. just don't do it so every class has their own spreadsheet 
has their register on it, has their year plan on it, has their team points on it. Because I do this mm -hmm. with my core classes as well. And um, I, you set up the, you can, the cell, the equaling, you can get the spreadsheet to yeah, add itself yeah. up, basically. Uh -huh. And I just add on the points. And just I have, if I don't have my iPad, yeah, straight away, or I'll use my phone. I've got, I have the Excel app on my phone so that if I'm outside on the Astro, just do it I can phone. just open my phone and do it straight away. And they can and see I'm the points it. and all that as well? Well, I'd make sure I display it. So we have a projector. If I'm in the practical games or whatever, I just project it. And um, if I'm doing badminton, for example, I'll uh, just have it on the wall constantly. So that Would you have just one of those mini projector things? Yeah, yeah, one on a trolley. Mm -hmm. If I'm in the classroom, then I just plug in my iPad to the smart board and project it there. And so yeah, yeah. whenever I start the lesson, I do an iPad check, I put the points up. PE kit or practical kit, we'll go and check the PE kits and the iPads and then get mm. more points straight away. Brilliant. So I always start off with things like that. And like I say, if you little things, even the smallest little thing can be worth points. Yeah. And for some kids, that's just enough to start the ball rolling to get them mm. more invested overall, especially if they're competitive. Like I find that boys, no offense to the male gender, but <laughs> teenage boys are not necessarily that interested in doing written work. Uh -huh. However, if I put them in a team and make it competitive and I make it so that they get extra points for doing their homework, mm -hmm. then suddenly I'm going to get some homework submissions. Yeah. And it's amazing what, the, like I say, it's amazing what the promise of Easter eggs can do to motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, I. That's what I need to do. I need to start finding ways to to give them points, and I, I've got it just on a word document, so it's I'm literally I'll need to. I, then you have to add it, it up yourself. Yeah, yeah. My first need, year, so I did this, and I did it on a word document, and it took me hours. <laughs> then I learned the equals sum brackets formula for I, the spreadsheet, sure. and suddenly it all does it for you. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I need to, need to refamiliarize myself with that. Mm. It makes them accountable, doesn't it? Like, you don't want to let your yes. team down as well. Yes, exactly. And equally, like, it's, it can work both ways. So, like, if mine, the iPad reel, for example, if mine come to class with it 50% or more charged, they get 50 points. If, however, they come to class with it 20% or less, then they take 50 points off their team mm -hmm. straight away. Okay. And so they all now, again, it's amazing how the promise of Easter eggs can suddenly, miraculously, iPads now come in. So we <laughs> at least... Charge your iPads. And it frequently can be... A kid will walk into the PE department for a practical kit class and like my higher class, for example, like, miss, check my iPad, check my iPad, it's on 50%, I need to give you the points. And I went, okay, Finn, calm down. <laughs> and that's before he's even gone and getting changed. He's like, you need to check my iPad, you need to check my iPad. You need, <laughs> check you need to check he's not got a cable plugged into a power bank in his back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And hilariously, you've got to be careful though, because I had another one in my higher class who'd screenshotted his iPad when it had 88% uh, or something. Yeah. And then when I did the check he just put the photo up and he got away with it once then one of the other guys in the class was like miss you might want to check his ipad again and i'm going what do you mean he's like i don't think his ipad's on 88 percent yeah. turns out you put a photo up and so now he has to double tap home before i'll check his points because <laughs> the trust he's is got, gone he's yeah, got to find a way to win <laughs> i'm like the ingenuity could you oh, not just apply that to your homework see, tasks? Oh, that's creative isn't find, it? find the positives there um <laughs> That's great. And I need to try it as well. How many is in a team? Uh, four. So the co cooperative learning is very much three people or four people, no more, okay. because um, five is too many and you always have an odd number. And also, when you set up a cooperative learning class in a classroom, they should be sat, the tables have to be arranged in a specific way. So they be shat, should be sat even with a table shaped like a T. So you have mm -hmm. a two tables at the top and then a T stem and the pupils sit at the stems facing each other because 
everything in cooperative learning is about being close to somebody. So it's totally, totally not happening in COVID at the minute, but they should be sat opposite each other so that they can collaborate both with the person next to them and with the person opposite them. And then the T at the top, the two tables at the top become the storage area for bags, for resources, for if you want to go down the route of it, team names or banners or flags or things like that. And then that means that they are totally interdependent on the person opposite them and the person next to them. And then each table seat at the table is a number so that you can say, number one, you to come and get yep. resources for whatever. Number two, you're a timekeeper. Number three, you're the captain for this task. Number four, you're the coach for this cast, the, the mediator, the encourager. Any, there's any res disputes, you're the resolution. So that's why it's threes or fours. So all my teams are threes or fours. And you, and that's like the same roles that you give them every single time you do like a class lesson. Yeah. And then... So yeah, exactly. It's the same four roles. So it's always, it's not, I haven't done it this year for obvious COVID reasons, but it would be um, captain, equipment chief, question master, checker, and a mediator. Mm -hmm. and, and one of them also needs to be a timekeeper. I think I tend to put that on question master. And that way I just say, so number one is this, number two is that, number three is this, number four is that. And the kids stay in the same seat every time. And so I just change the rules for each number yeah. each time. So and I do that. That comes, that's in theory. And then the same teams are used again in practicals. Uh -huh. Or if I've, um, for example, netball, I would just put two theory teams together to form one big practical team. Mm -hmm. I, I love the idea of that. And seeing uh, with regards to like the table set out, so you've got like four at the table, you would mm -hmm. get them to, so you would give them a question, then they would just come up with the answer together. They would yeah, just exactly. Then... Exactly. Yeah. And because they're, because a normal desk, for one person is fine for one person but with two you're that close to each other you can't not work together because mm -hmm. you're that close and that is one of the fundamental components i remember this lady chris whose name i still can't remember from the cops of learning she was like you have to sit them like this because if you put a desk each then they've got enough space between each other that they could just ignore exactly yeah. and the whole idea of cops of learning is that you create an interdependence on your teammates so that you all have to do a task for everybody to be the whole team to be successful so, so everybody a, has a job and everyone has a responsibility yeah. and if you don't one person doesn't do it then the rest of the team will fail and the idea is that the rest of the team the social pressure brings the yeah there's a lot of psychology it behind it isn't there yeah 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 That's, totally sure and it really works an extra table on the tee for the easter eggs <laughs> <laughs> honestly i had to i did it in the game salt and it was an absolute melee when i was giving them out it was carnage man absolute carnage but this was a so it I really, really, really used this and used it with great effect with a higher class I had two years ago. And it was just this group of 30. There's 23 hires and most of them were boys. They all thought they were God's gift to sport and didn't want to do any written work. Like they were adamant. We're like, no, no, that we're, we've got our national five A's. We didn't need to, we don't need to do written work. We're just brilliant. <laughs> and so I spent the whole year like going, actually you got 22 out of 60 on your national five portfolio you really would need to put some work in for your higher exam maybe just maybe want to do some homework tasks and so because they were so competitive every little thing in practical class fed into team points but every little thing in theory class fed into it and it would genuinely was first team to sit down with their ipads out will get 10 points like and it's amazing that kind of little thing suddenly i've got these nutter boys all sat down quiet Within yeah. ten seconds. <laughs> ah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Something I'm definitely going to going to try and get better at. I've started it with the homework task. Going to try and implement it, like you said, with a lot more areas. Some yeah. of what we were doing was, 
Um, the sport ed model we've been working on, Lewis, is similar mm-hmm. to that, but just bring it into a national qualification environment. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can, there's just so much you can do with it. Like you can put your own yeah. tweaks and all that on it. Um, oh, God, I, yeah. Um, aye, so I'm kind of, I feel like you've already talked us through the cycle of analysis and what you do when, you, when Clark asks you a mm-hmm. question too. So I'll save you, and I'm also a bit conscious of time, I'll save you from asking that question because <laughs> um, we got a good depth of answer with question two and you kind of spoke about that anyway. So, um, only thing I would add into that is um, we've used the perf- personal profiling wheels, uh-huh. you know, the blank wheel. We use that as, um, I think it's brilliant as a data gathering method, as a summary of all yeah. the factors. So the three factors, mental, emotional, and physical, we put the sub factors around the outside of the wheel and then mm-hmm. that really does brilliantly highlight to them their exact weaknesses. Yeah, good. Because deal. they know exactly, it's a picture of themselves uh-huh. and their strengths and weaknesses. And we found that, pardon me, the kids really find, are able to identify their strengths and weaknesses so much more easily when all, all the information's in that one pretty picture that's been colored in. Plus, they really enjoy colouring in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they could have like a mood test, then a mental toughness questionnaire, then they've got a set of physical data, like standardized fitness test results, and it's all on different paces. It's all different numbers. They don't know their ratings, and mm-hmm. yeah, paint that pretty picture on that wheel, and then they can and see suddenly it. all tied together. Yeah. And then would you then do like a focused observation schedule on whatever factor it is as a weakness? Uh, no, because the individual results would be the focused ones for us. So the mood test, mental toughness questionnaire, standardized fitness test. Right? They're the individual results, and then the wheel just is the summary. And then from there, they can go back to if it's emotional factors that are their biggest weakness, they'll go back to the mood test and look at specifically what, where in the game did they deteriorate the most. Or if it's a mental toughness questionnaire, they'll go back and look well, I got a score of one out of six for this area, so therefore reboundability is my weakness. Mm-hmm. So but the, the wheel test? is, is just the, a. Is that the profile of mood status? No, pom, that's a POMS pom? test. That, mood that, test is. I think it's it's from it's like you know FIFA where they've got the hex the pentagon no hexagon yeah and, yeah um, and they've uh, got the little yeah. hexagons in and then you draw put a dot on and then draw it to create a shape it gives you like a right. refunct ah uh, right got you yeah 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 that but they do that at the beginning middle and end of a performance All right, and then, okay, then they, there's a there's a question inside it's like how do you feel before you start then it's how do you, how many have you won how many have you lost what's your current mood status or something like that it's really simple really accessible and really quick did you get that There's online nothing. yeah so where did we get it from oh that was it so edinburgh council a few years back paid a psychologist to write a resource for right. pe teachers on the mental and emotional factors and mm-hmm. we've got loads of data gathering sheets plus loads of approaches to performance development all in this one big resource pack right. and i think we got it out of there is that is that online like is that accessible to was that, was that a while ago? Because Edinburgh Council bought the rights of it. I don't know. If it's I've got it. Edinburgh, Edinburgh Council have got it, but I don't know if it's out with that. Mm-hmm. I actually I don't know. I've, I know so I've never worked outside Edinburgh Council, That's so an, I've never had to. So see, so you said it's before and after, before, during and after a performance. Yeah. You, do, you do that one. Ah, so it's right. one A4 page and there's like a diagram at the top and it's yeah. in box with its questions and diagram in the middle. It's the same diagram. Around the outside, there is, it's anger, frustration, or oh, like six different emotions. Around the outside, mm. uh, happiness, sadness, I can't remember the rest. And they just plot on the diagram where they feel they are for each emotion and then join it together so they get a shape. Yeah, right. got you. And then do the same at the middle, same at the end, and then compare the shapes. So if they're suddenly getting a spike in frustration halfway through, is that because they've lost 
five goals. Is it or just out of ten the market? It's out of six. It's six, right, okay. So there's six hexagon, he, no, out of five, sorry. Six points on the hexagon, obviously. And six emotions. And then there's five hexagons right the way to the small one in the middle. Mm-hmm. And the more strongly they feel it, the further they out they plot their dots. Got you. I guess I, that would uh-huh. that would then vary a lot then from different mm-hmm. performances, like based sport on how the game sport. goes. Nah, sport, yeah, exactly. Sport, based on how the I've game used goes. it in 800 meters. Um, I've used it in badminton. I've used it in uh, basketball, like because it, it's totally generic, so you can uh-huh. use it in any sport. It's yep. great, and it's nice. dead simple, and the kids really get it. As opposed to, I find the palms test. I've done it once or twice, and it's so long. Uh-huh. And just oh my god, you're there for hours ticking sixty six oh, different no. statements or whatever number it is. So it's just On the blind Mac page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, then, and then and then they're like, oh miss, my Wi-Fi is not working. And you're like, oh, I'm yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's why, off. The <laughs> that's why the mood test is just the easy replacement, yeah. especially with fourth year, and you don't have a huge amount of time, and you've got to get data collection in as much as quickly as you can, and as efficiently and as accessibly as you can. So yeah. a nat two could do a mood test mm-hmm. all the way through to your nat fives. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to try that then. Right, so we're, we're interested to find out how you balance teaching, like tri level teaching or bi level teaching. Um, how would you give feedback to each individual learner and how they are progressing within the portfolio? So we're really lucky that all our pupils have iPads. So I, I do prefix the com- this answer with that because that opens up OneNote and the use of it. And we it, only use OneNote with our kids. One of our staff does use OneDrive, but three of the four of us use OneNote and all the feedback goes straight on there. And I, we all have Apple Pens as well, which sounds so simple a thing to get but actually you can then write your feedback and it's just so much quicker you're not reliant on being at a desktop you can sit on your ipad and like quickly do it whenever you need to i so every child will get they'll do their if they do their homework tasks (laughs) and they will get their written feedback on their one note it will periodically check through their portfolio to make sure they're a doing it and b writing sensible stuff and we'll give them a little bit of feedback there or verbally they'll get verbal mm-hmm. feedback on every single time they come in i also keep again on my spreadsheet i have another tab for homework results and i keep a record of every single homework and written tasks that they do i color code it so they goes red amber yellow green depending on how good it is and they then get shown that and also teams we put the feed i certainly put the feedback on teams as well so that they're getting it from all angles surround sound nagging i call it (laughs) they know exactly where they're at there is no excuses to not know what your Mm -hmm. feedback is because i put it in three different places yeah um but again that is because we are lucky that we have ipads we are lucky that we have the ability to get apple pens through our school um and that we have wi-fi through our building so i mean i'll be honest i have no idea doing it i've done it on paper before before we got ipads and i'm handwriting all my feedback and did all that and kept a record on a piece of paper of the overall homework results but it's so much faster when you can do it electronically is this this made your teaching 10 times better well don't know about better but it's made it faster the whole process is much more efficient and much more immediate but is it more beneficial do you feel like yes absolutely the kids can especially when it comes to homework answers that translate into portfolio answers Uh they can go and edit the homework answer as opposed to having to rewrite it yeah it's all Uh, done via teams everything yeah so we have teams for all our classes and then we have one notes embedded in like the class notebooks embedded in the teams yeah so they can access the work there 
and it's oh, yeah. just so much easier. We have clear set homework tasks from the start of the year, and we just we have ten that we wrote as a department for our Nat Fives, and then we allow remarking windows as well through periodically throughout the year, so that if the kids want to, it's their choice. And again, it all feeds into the team points. So if they want to yeah. go back, they can go redo homeworks from throughout the year to try and get better at them because they know we tell them like these homework tasks are very similar to the portfolio questions like they're based on what the portfolio will ask you to do so you can get help with these homework tasks but you can't get help with your portfolio so go and do the homework tasks get the feedback there learn from your mistakes there so that you don't make those mistakes in your portfolio mm-hmm. at least that's a hope <laughs> yeah so can you maybe give us a wee bit more information then about how you give feedback in the portfolio on section two and three or is, do you mm. not give any feedback at all? We do give feedback. So the primary way I do it, I don't write anything on their answers on the portfolio. So that's again a section in the one note and I yeah. keep it locked until they start doing it. Yep. What I do instead is I have a, another tab on my spreadsheet. But a lot of the spreadsheet is huge, like so many different pages. It's a P, it's a... Um, uh, portfolio progress and I'll each question has a box and I will color code their answer based on how many marks I would imagine it would get so again I just use the same colors as from their homeworks red orange uh, yellow green and if they're trying to achieve as many yellows and greens throughout the year as they can and so they'll throughout when do we do it February March kind of time I'll project that up so they can see it they can see what color their questions are at and then they can come and ask me they can clarify anything i might if this uh, say a kid is totally gone taking a left turn on a question and just gone out the park totally wrong i will put a wee bit of feedback on saying this should be about physical factors or this should be about mental factors or this should be this is a data coloring method you need to be talking about um, an approach to performance development. Mm-hmm. I'll give them those kind of hints, yeah. but by no means am I saying well, um, this is classic worth. Although classic where they um, where they put a test for an approach. Yes. Oh my that. God. <laughs> Come on. Even my hires do that, and you're like <sighs> a bleat test. The clue is in the name. Uh-huh. Yeah. All the tests. It's so frustrating. I know they always do, don't they? <laughs> you're just like no, 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 no. Anyway, <laughs> so I will if they're totally and utterly in a different stratosphere of thinking then i will try and swerve them back into where they should be but i will never ever go and say this is currently worth three out of four you need to add in this point in order to get your final i'm never because that's not allowed and that's not what the portfolio should be Mm -hmm. this needs to be a test of their knowledge this need they need to take ownership of it and they should be given a chance to do that and i just don't because my cl is a marker for nat5 and he's had portfolios through where there's post-it notes still stuck on the final submissions of what the teacher's telling the kid to write and you just go why That's no, it just, totally it just drives, it just drives the gap be. even bigger yes, between exactly. national five and higher it doesn't prepare them exactly and you're also you're just doing the kid a disservice like mm-hmm. this is we don't have an exam which i think it was the biggest mistake when they wrote the nat five course because we don't have an exam, we have to have some kind of credibility. And if people are doing giving post-it notes of detailed answers as to what the kids should write, that totally goes against what this should be. And it really, really riles me, as you can probably tell. Yeah. I'm trying to calm down. <laughs> I, I can get on a soapbox about issues like this. Yeah. Having taught under standard grade and taught under higher still and the differences between the two courses, the curriculum contents, it just, there's so many things about the National Five which are brilliant, but there are so many things about standard grade which have just been totally and utterly imploded and sent into like they're completely gone when actually they were really good 
And there's so many strengths of that course, which I really wish they had brought into the National 4 and 5. So would you say the the gap between National 5 and higher is bigger than what it was? No, I I would say the National 5 to higher jump is now smaller than the jump between standard grade and higher still. Right. There is still a jump. And in some case, and I think the lack of an exam at National 5 is one of the major hurdles between Nat 5 and higher because the kids come out of it, they could get 21 out of 60 on their portfolio and still get an A. That, mm-hmm. And then you get the higher class full of bampots, God's gift to sport, I don't need to do anything because I still got my A, I'm brilliant at sport. And you're like, mm-hmm. actually, no, you got less than half marks on a portfolio that should have taken you the whole year to write. That's, that's not a true reflection of your abilities. There should, I believe firmly, there should be some form of exam in National 5 PE. Yeah, and I, th- and I think- setting up for the full year. Yeah, exactly. And I think the the standard grade has so many good things about it. Like the foundation general credit system of um, organizing it meant that everybody had a chance at getting a general. Everybody had an exam and you didn't have this labeling of nat for scum, quote unquote, which always trends on Twitter when it comes to study leave because the nat for kids don't get study leave and mm-hmm. they label themselves that. And you're like, what education system sh- is allowing children to label themselves that? That's not right. Yeah. Give everybody should have some form of exam that, like I say, credit general foundation system where they each sat two exams really did benefit them and it gave the foundation level kids a chance at a three yet now there there's a comes a point in february basically where you have to go sorry you can't do nat five you're never going to finish the portfolio Mm -hmm. you're doing national four Mm -hmm. and that then automatically kind of devalues it because it's almost like it's a booby prize like a wooden spoon like there you go just go and do that bit of paper yeah it's see a soapbox issue for me. <laughs> <laughs> see for any Nat Four candidates, do you get them to do like uh, an FIP booklet? Like, remember the FIP yeah, booklet so, we used to have? Yeah, Phipps, we again, it's all on one note. We've got um, a whole section that if they're going to do National Four in February time, we'll just transfer that section for them and they'll start working through those questions. Um, to be honest, we make the cut, our cut for Nat Four and Nat Five just the January time. Yeah. and uh, we try and get the nat fours started but also we've structured our homework tasks so that a lot of them start with a describe question so that that is basically nat four fips and you can just say right homework number one that's about data collection take your description there did you get marks for it if not go and tweak it and then you just need to copy and paste it into your fips because it is the same question so we do we use our homework tasks to help inform both portfolio and units if they end up in that four. That's good, that's good. Covering all, base, uh, all bases there. So uh, technology and digital learning, Alex, are obviously a massive part, a massive driver for schools and obviously mm-hmm. a massive part of your teaching and learning mm-hmm. from, um, from listening to what you've been saying tonight. You spoke about how you can incorporate it within the national course and your daily teaching approach. Would you like to add anything further about how you incorporate uh, digital learning? Um, no, mainly it's all that I've said is what I do. Like we, I, again, we are very, very lucky that S3 upwards all have iPads. So I appreciate I am in a very, very fortunate position um, to have that like resource there. I know not every school is in that position, um, but everything where possible is electronic in our department. I mean, as we said at the start, like PE offices are tiny. 
you can't store paperwork for three years from every child completing all their work on paper because you'd run out of space. So mm-hmm. doing it all online means you can store it in the cloud for as long as you need it to. Makes it easier for kids in writing up portfolios because they can copy and paste their homework answers that are good enough. They can make edits much more quickly. They don't have to go back and rewrite things. And for me as a teacher, I keep all my records on spreadsheets so I can instantly project up a pr- spreadsheet of results of how they're doing in terms of homework answers or portfolio progression. And they can see, all see straight away exactly where they're at. And it's, I've got it both on my phone, on my iPad, so I can use it outside in the Astro, I can use it inside in the classroom. And it's just having iPads and having technology in your lesson, in my lesson certainly, has utterly revolutionized how I teach my courses in comparison to what I was pre-2013 when I got my first iPad. Do you spend a wee bit of time at the start of the year typing up all your, or like your new classes into the spreadsheet? And then yes. have like yeah, so at that, admittedly, there is a lot of work to set it up, but once yeah. you have it there, it's good to go. I know that, I, true. Um, and the same goes for now. Well, to be fair, I've now this year, thanks to lockdown, learned how you can set up a class notebook via Teams. So mm-hmm. that before I was creating a notebook, then going and adding in the kids manually. Now I just create my team and it does it all for me. Yeah, you've got the notebook. So much there. easier. I wish I'd known about this two years ago, it'd been so uh-huh. much quicker. Hey-ho. <laughs> right, well, that was um, absolutely fantastic. I've taken so much, so much great information there, Alex. Thanks a lot. Um, that I honestly comes... don't think I do anything all no. that different. Like, I'm, I genuinely couldn't believe it when you emailed me to ask me to come on here. No, it's definitely like, helpful, though. I'm it's just like, a teacher. <laughs> I th- no, but, like, the things that you really talk about, even, like, the co-op learning stuff and all that, like, that was just a lot more than what I've ever kind of... I've done, like, some CPD and that on it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, never just down to the details about how they, they should sit in the class and um, yeah, definitely the structure and organization if you if you as a teacher do the same thing with your theory classes every single time you'll find they settle so much quicker because i don't know about you guys but pe classes when they come into the classroom for the first time in fourth year it's a riot because they're mm-hmm. like well we've never been in a classroom before in this subject we don't know what can we get away with basically so yeah. i found that if you are prescriptive in everything you get them to do a start at the start and you set yourself up for a success yeah it's a seating plan descriptive sorry prescriptive roles and responsibilities and the team competition to make everybody pull their weight yeah and, and just get that set stay. up at the start and then yeah and then you, and you, predictable. I, you have to be a bit of a witch to start with because they're all like oh i don't want to do written work why do i have to do written work oh this is rubbish and you're like well actually it's 50 percent of your course if you want a qualification you're going to need to do it and then feed that into the team so that they mm-hmm. realize that it's not just their qualification it's everyone else's qualifications yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's just good to come on and talk about you know problems and barriers and things that you're doing. It's really, really good to share it amongst other teachers. It's, thanks for coming on. That was really useful. No problem. Tonight, <laughs> I hope it is useful for folk. I do. No, it's useful for me, so I'm sure it will be for everyone else. Right. So at the end of each podcast, then we just have a wee bit of fun. We do a wee quick fire round of three questions. So sure. just three, three quick answers just to finish us off. For. Cool. This episode. So number one, if you could have a giant billboard in your hometown or anywhere. What would it say on it? I presume this is not about me. Like, just it's not anything. Real... Right, okay. Because I, I, I read this question and was like, oh my God, no, this no. surely it's not about... I hate self-promotion. I hate tell, us, it. tell us a wee bit about yourself. <laughs> that, 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 so nerve-wracking. Um, <laughs> um, so I would say, I would want my billboard to say, be kind, be respectful. But I, I firmly believe that a lot of the world's issues from 
poverty all the way through to COVID could be fixed if humanity was just a bit more compassionate and tolerant towards each other. Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, be kind, be respectful. Love yeah, love it. Number two, what book or books have had the greatest influence on your life? I am a bookworm. I'm not when I get a chance to, so it's mostly now when I go on holiday. Um, but reading a good book for me is a form of escapism, and I just love getting lost in a good yarn. Um, so anything that's got a captivating story and. And uh, from John Buchan, which is a writer that unless you're like 80, you're not going to know because his books are from 1914. But his stories are amazing. And he's got just such a good way of telling a story. And it's uh-huh. really captivating. Um, Harry Potter. Love Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, Sherlock Holmes. I've read all Arthur Conan Doyle's original stories. Um, all the way through to like Douglas Adams and the trilogy of five, like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. And true stories, uh, or true life stories. So I'm really, really interested in like First World War, Second World War, so the true stories behind those. Mm-hmm. Um, memoirs, so like Barack and Michelle Obama's memoirs. Yeah. Memoirs of like sporting people, like really famous sporting people. So for me, sporting people that are famous are like horse riders. So like International GB Olympics, mm-hmm. like horse riders, because that's my thing. So it's like people that you, nobody else will know unless you know horses, so like William yeah. Fox Pitt. And uh-huh. so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a real variety then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, Clark, love, I have you, always loved reading and you, it's just a whole range of everything. Brilliant. Clark, are you going to share with Alexandra your, your favourite book? My favourite book? I've got a few. Um, no, is it, no, The Gruffalo. Oh, The Gruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about Wim Hof there. I was going, <laughs> no, no, no. Wim Hof. No, no. That was... Um, <laughs> Right, no, 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 it came up. It came up in a previous episode. I, my favourite book was Gruffalo. I didn't say it was, yeah. but I don't know why it came up. But anyway, <laughs> I, was, I seen it in your your desk. Right, num- number three. Then last one. What advice would you give to an NQT assigned with a National Five class? Wow, this. Um, I remember this because I had a standard grade class in my probation year. Um, be yourself. Be organised because you're going to have a group of fourth years who are probably a wee bit nuts definitely not that keen on doing written work sometimes so be organized from the get-go uh set high expectations for behavior but also more importantly good manners i hate people who are bad mannered hate it and it's adults and children alike so set high expectations from the get-go and then that then leads into pupils having high levels of self-belief and perseverance and basically train them to always want to do better regardless of what level they're sitting and that making mistakes are okay and that you can learn from your mistakes and actually the best way to learn is by making mistakes yeah. and just set be consistent from day one through and the kids it will learn to work with you and they mm. will even the most oh i don't like using it but utter nut jobs of mm-hmm. fourth years yeah. will learn to work with you if you are the same every single lesson you have the same expectations the same rules and the same level of organisation, the kids will work with you by the end. Yeah, yeah, they know what to expect. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. No. Well, that um, certainly rounds us off nicely for another episode of the podcast. So thanks again for giving Brilliant. up your time tonight to come on and share your no knowledge problem. and experience and delivering the National 5 course. It was much appreciated. No problem. I've thanks, enjoyed Alex. it. It's been a good chat. Thanks, 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 guys. thanks for coming on. Mr. Cleland, wow, great podcast again, great episode, great to have Alex on, fully passion and energy and just real enthusiasm for the subject and for developing young people. Yeah, it was um, a really good insight into how she delivers a National 5 course at her school and um, definitely taking a lot from it again, as I do with every episode we have. So 
I really, really enjoyed that one and um, got a, a really good takeaway message that I'm, I'm going to work on. So, well, what is I, it then? Well, I kick us off. Tell everybody what it is. I thought it was um, really interesting how she said about the cooperative learning side of things and she went on, a, I think it was like a four-day course and really got into the nitty-gritty and learned loads about it. Um, what was her name again? Chrissy? <laughs> right. So I thought it was really interesting what she said when she was t- talking about cooperative learning and with regards to the classroom setup that she has. And she says how they, the people should be set up in a T-shape. Um, so it's like one desk long ways and another desk at the top. I think I've got the, the gist of it. And the desk at the top was for like resources, bags and things like that. And then the other desk is so that the pupils are facing each other. And then in that close proximity so that they're really forced to engage with the the questions and engage with one, one another. So it's that kind of mutual accountability. Um, and it's in groups of no more than three or four. Five's too many. And I thought that was um, a really good insight into it and something that I'm going to build on because, like I said in the episode, I've been trying to do this with my S3 elective classes to some degree of success. Um, the buy-in's not absolutely fantastic, but some are more motivated than others, but I'm only doing it for homework tasks. So I think what I need to do is going forward, maybe next year, minimise the amount of numbers in each group from five, take it down to three or four and um, incorporate a lot more opportunities to, to win points, like in the classroom. Like Alex gave good examples. If you've got iPads, making sure they come in with more than 50% fully charged and um, other wee ways that they can they can win points for going over and above in class or even answering a question in class or showing confidence to go and do a demonstration, anything like that. So that was my takeaway message from tonight's episode and it's something that I'm going to um, look at adding into my, my own teaching going forward. So thanks for that, Alex. Absolutely tremendous, young man. No, that's excellent. I'm, I'm definitely needing to do that as well. Um, and keep the, the groups a bit smaller. I've got homework teams this year that are five or six, so I've maybe made it a bit too big, but yeah, it's something I can look at as well. Um, but that's, 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 about, that's one it? thing. I didn't even know that it had to be in groups smaller than that. No, so no, no. That's, um, that's something. Oh, same again. Th- thanks, to, thanks to Chrissy for Canada for that one. So See, we can always, there's always something. Nah, every day's a school day. Oh, that's the thing about this podcast. It's good to talk about these issues and share them and then Pick, pick it up and Aye, something that you think you're doing that you think's going well and you're doing really well in your own teaching then that's it, it. turns out you can still even you can like develop it even further it can always be better Aye, exactly. so my, my key takeaway message would be in regards to question five when we talked about how, the, how she gives feedback to each individual learner when they're progressing through the portfolio and she spoke about how obviously she's got them on the iPads um the spreadsheet and what, what question they're on. Something I've noted down here is I'm going to make make a spreadsheet up as well um, in Traffic Light System, the, the portfolio progress. So question section one all the way through to 3F. Colour code it green if I think that they don't need to go back and look at it. Amber, if they could go back and maybe add in or take out some points and then red if they're completely off track. So I'll look to do that for my national class this year um, rather than try to do it on a bit of paper and highlighting and stuff like that. I'll do it online and then share it over the big screen in the classroom. So they know where they're at and who they know what level they're at. They know what ones they've done well in and they know exactly what ones they still need to work on and then share that in January or mm-hmm. even before that so they can focus more time on and refine the answers. Um, I thought that was good. 
Yeah, and it's I need to go and brush up my my Excel skills. I still very much have it have it on paper, but we don't have our pupils don't have iPads, and um, so that would certainly be helpful if we oh, if, I think if, if we had laptops. Or, we do have laptops, but see when you go into a, a theory class and you try and get them all logged onto laptops, it just takes takes a while. Aye, so. I don't know about you, but our Wi-Fi has, has, has had some issues. Yeah. But if Alex is still listening back to her podcast and she's still in on this and now, on the key takeaway message, if she feels she could help us out with some CPD for them at the Excel, then please yeah. drop us an email, Alex. That's another episode. That could be another episode. Could be a live streamed webinar. Oh, now you're talking. Now we're talking. Now we're taking it up, up in the ante, Mr. Burrow. Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, well, thanks again for everyone uh, who listened in to the, pod, the podcast. Um, we hope you're enjoying them as much as we are. And give us a like and a share or a retweet. If you see it on social media, then uh, give us a wee shout out. We're, we're trying our best here through this um, tier four restrictions that we're finding ourselves in. But we've managed to do a podcast every week, Lewis, all the way from the start of lockdown. So Sometimes two a week. Forward now. Sometimes two a week. So... Right, as always, if you see us on social media, like Clark just said, maybe share or retweet would be absolutely glorious. And until the next time, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Take care of yourselves and enjoy your week.